Welcome back, everyone. Give him Liam. Episode six, seven, six, whatever. I always forget. My producer shaking her head again. That's okay. Welcome back. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to everyone who tunes in every week. This week, I got Sammy Wood on the podcast. Sammy Wood's an old friend of mine, but a really unique perspective on what it means to be an elite female athlete having an A-League career uh, and then taking a break and then jumping straight into a, an elite rugby union career. So, yeah, awesome. Always awesome to chat with Sammy. I've had a chance to coach her, um, work, you know, worked with her uh, in that, on that front. And, yeah, great, great athlete, great human. But as we do every week, first thing we've got to do, thank you to the cover, cover.com.au. Uh, make sure you, you head across there, give them a like, give them a follow, get on get on the newsletter, check out some of the other podcasts, Fifth and Dribble, they're a hybrid NBA, NRL podcast, the Daily Dribble, got a lot of dribblers, uh, Daily Dribble podcast, NBL, NBA, and there's more coming, they're coming every week. Tobias Canning still doing his NRL column, so uh, I've got something going up. Next week, uh, I'm a big fan of March Madness, the the NCAA basketball tournament. So, uh, shouts to Paige Buckers today with the UConn women's basketball team getting to the getting to the championship game. Uh, Louisville weren't so lucky. Uh, Haley Van Lith, shouts to you because you I think you're an incredible incredible basketballer. Um, but yeah, couldn't get it done today. Uh, right at the top of the show, I got two things for you. One. The WNBL is a joke of an organization. <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah. It's probably not the professional way to put it, but I guess that's where we'll start uh, tonight, today. Um, and I think I think I'll save the more in depth analysis of this for for another podcast once I've sort of cooled down and and the smoke settled and I can actually sort of you know processed it, researched it. But but here's what I'll say: the the WNBL broke their own rule. So the game two of the of the semifinal series against the Caps and and look I, I am Caps biased I work for the Caps. There's a, there's a few players on that team who who I would consider friends. The coaching staff are my friends. Uh, you know, uh, some some people formerly in the front office. Um, you know, all, all still keeping contact with them. So I am Caps biased. But what I'll say is, if you go on the WNBL's website. The rule basically stated that if game two uh, had to be postponed and it couldn't be a three-game series, it would go to a two-game series, and the score aggregate would decide, uh, you know, if it, if if Perth wins and and the Caps win or, or or Team A and Team B, whatever, however you want to say it, then, uh, yeah, then the FIBA rules is is that it's a home-and-away series. Two-game series, you get one go home game, you get one away game. But for some reason, the WNBL decided that they weren't going to go with the FIBA way of doing things, even though FIBA is the governing body for world basketball, and decided that the Caps were going to have to play in Perth and they were going to have to play a day after they were getting out of isolation. Now, I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to harp on this for too long, and I don't want to put an asterisk next to Perth being being in the final because I think they were a fantastic team all year. They they did a really good job, but 
the WNBL didn't give the Caps a choice, a chance, and they they broke their own rule. And then and then they released a statement, and which didn't address that at all. Then some of the information in the statement changed after it was released. Like it's just it's just wild. And then a journalist in Perth had the had the goal to go after one of the Caps, even though that's like she didn't do anything wrong. And the league's done nothing. The league has done nothing to step in and protect that player. So you can see, you can obviously see I'm pretty hot about it. So that's where I'm going to leave it. But you know, from from a from a governance perspective, it's it's fucking ridiculous. It's a joke. You you can't just make things up. You've got rules and protocols, and you 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 deviated from them for what? It doesn't make any. It doesn't make any sense. Now, but I do have to say that you guys have form for this because I've been privy to a lot of decisions that you've made over the last four seasons that I've been involved with. And, um, yes, yeah, you have form for this. You deviate from your own protocols all the time and then you hide behind, you know. One example, the the former head of the league made a decision and then turned her phone off. (laughs) So look, uh, yeah, that's what that's what I'm going to say. I'm just, I'm just, I'm frustrated for the players. I'm frustrated for the coaching staff. I'm frustrated for the organisation. Um, and you know, it sets a really ridiculous precedent. So, if game, let's let's say game one in Melbourne has to be postponed or or canned completely because a number of the Boomers players or the Perth players get COVID. Does that mean both games are now they now have to be played in Melbourne because Melbourne with a higher seed, even though Perth's already sold out game two in Perth. And look, my my recommendation to to the the league is that you need to front the media this week asap. Just get in front of the media and be like, "Yeah, we fucked up." Soz, ask your questions. Second thing I got for you is uh, last week I heard Matt Tamua sort of make an appeal to the crowds, you know, spark up, effectively saying spark up crowd. Now, I know that rugby has a problem with that, but that problem to me is fairly simply solved. So, so you, Matt Tamua, are saying you want more people in the, in the stands, but what are you doing about that? When was the last time, you know, are you an are you an active member of your community? And I don't I don't mean going to the fucking club rugby game that the rebels make you go to. I mean, are you a member of your community? Are you going down to the locals farmers market and supporting those guys? Are you are you shopping at at local shops? Are you volunteering at schools? And 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 not those damn stupid clinics. That, that everyone hates, not the clinics that the state body is making you go to, but actually going down to your kid's school and work in the canteen. Are you, vol- are you volunteering at a junior rugby club? Are you, are, you, are you coaching one of your kids' teams in your spare time? Because I know you've got a lot of it. You know, are you, are you active down at universities? Are you donating your time to charities and not-for-profits in your community to help make it better? Because if you are, we don't see it. And unless you're doing that, you don't have the right to tell the crowd to spark up. 
because you're not invested in the community. So why would the community invest in you? That's where I'm going to leave that. Matt, I know you. I like you. But it's an incredibly it's a it's an incredibly dumb thing to say. You you should know better. If your team was if if every member of your team was active in the community, um, I can promise you you'd have people at the game. We've got the same problem here in Canberra. You know, our, the 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 Brumbies players, the men, the women get it. The men think that just going and watching a club footy game. And and sending some academy players down to a local school to run a clinic is is being involved in the community. I'll give you an example. Kelsey Griffin teaches at Radford College. The captain of the Caps teaches at Radford College, and runs and runs the basketball program at Radford College. Abby Cabillo works in childcare. Is a university student. She's going to be a physio, so she's going to work as a physio in the community. She also volunteers her time for a number of, of Indigenous and First Nations people's charities. So that's why there's bums in seats at the Caps game. So I, I put the challenge back to you, Matt. What are you doing to engage the crowd? What are you doing to engage the community? All right. Up next, Sammy Wood. Sammy Wood, former... A-League soccer player or football player is probably the correct term. <laughs> current Super W athlete, former Aon Uni 7s athlete, current uh, school teacher. <laughs> yep. <laughs> how you Good doing, my friend? Good. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. And I really appreciate your time tonight. I know yep. you're you're busy in, in lockdown. Oh, yeah. I am. Um... I was a bit lost what to do, so I thought, you know, I'll just contact you. So we'd hang out. <laughs> hang out and have a yarn. No, look, I, I wanted to have you on, on this podcast for you you have a really unique uh, perspective on, on what it means to be a female athlete given, you know, when the A-League started, when you were coming through, you know, it was professional adjacent is probably the right word to, to say. It was kind of sort of slapped together and – you know, it had a, it had a lot of success, but you guys weren't getting paid. But you were you're expected to behave, you know, the, the same way that a, that a professional that that a professional would. the The training load was exactly the same, just without the compensation. And then you sort of left that, and then unfortunately have come into rugby <laughs> at exactly yeah. the you know, and and rugby is in exactly the same spot that the A-League was in, you know, 10 years ago. So, yep. yeah, I really wanted to, yeah, get you on and kind of get your perspective on that because it, it, to me it's pretty fascinating. And I guess my first question is, you know, why? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've thought this same thing in my head many times and I think my parents have too, to be honest. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I started soccer when such a young age. I, I think I started when I was about 10 and, by the age of 15, I was living in Sydney for um, N-Swiss and training alongside the Matildas and things like that. And I, knowing it now, it was such a big thing. But back then I was just like, oh, I hate training sort of thing. Like we never used to play and stuff like that. And it was just all for the love of it. And I guess at, at the bottom of the line, that's that's what it comes down to, whether it be football, I mean, it, whatever code of football really. <laughs> so, um, yeah, soccer was always there because um, – 
I was never allowed to play league or union because there was no pathway for girls past 12. So soccer was it. And then, yeah, went from there. <laughs> well, and you know, that like that, that is hard. Like there's a saying, um, you know, the person who, the person who loves walking will walk further than the person who loves the destination. So, yeah. and you know, I appreciate, and, and rugby's in the same spot now where you have, these programs and and some of them are uh, state you know state institutes are so like an N Swiss you know you got QAS we had the Actas Actas yeah. program so you've got these year round programs but you don't actually get any opportunities to play as an Actas group or as a QAS group you know QAS are doing a better job of that now but and and then even at the state level with the state bodies you know the Waratahs have got a full time program the Brumbies have got an academy program so. There's a lot of training and not a lot of, not a lot of opportunities to play because the season is so condensed. Yeah, and I think with the female um, competitions as well, whatever level they're at, is they're always shortened anyway. Like yeah. I know that that comes down to you know funding and stuff like that, but you know you've got such a small wheel window to perform. And I mean, I remember when I was first starting the W League. Um, I was like, oh, I think I was 17 when I made my debut with Newcastle Jets and I wasn't getting paid and everything else, but I didn't, I didn't know the difference. Like yeah. I, I didn't know if um, other people were or if I was the only one not doing it because at the end of the day it was all for the love of game, of yeah. the game. So, yeah, it wasn't until I then went to Canberra United in 2012 and got, you know, a very small payment for playing um, and, you know, for me that was massive because I'd never been paid before. So, but yeah. But isn't it, isn't it a trip though? Like when you go from, you know, doing, you know, playing sport, you play sport for nothing your whole life and then all of a sudden someone rolls up with a check or with a contract with, with money attached to it. Like it's crazy. Because you, yeah. like, I remember when it happened to me and I just sit, I was sitting there and I was like, I'll do this for free. Like I'm not going to tell this dude that, but I would do it yeah. for free. <laughs> Yeah, I had my first ever like paid game or paid season when I first came to Canberra and I played for um, a local Canberra club and they like gave us payment from like someone in the club. So that was like massive for me because I was like, I, I do this for free sort of thing. So I kind of felt bad, but then I found out more people were on more money. So I was like, I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I've but, got all these stories, uh, you know, mates of mine, you know, playing overseas for sort of lower division clubs. And uh, often, you know, there, there was like a, a retainer and then a match fee and a win fee. And often it'd be like the club president or the, you know, the whoever was sort of the big dog at the club would roll roll around after the game with the, the paychecks in an envelope. And, you know, if you didn't win, be handing it over and being like, yeah, I probably shouldn't give you this, but, they, you know, there you go. Like, <laughs> like dance. Yeah. Dance, monkey. You're just like, oh, yep. you got to just wait there and sit, hope for the best, whatever. Yeah. It's always a surprise, though, when you open the envelope. So... <laughs> Do you do you see a lot of similarities between, you know, where rugby's at now and where the A League was? Sort of, you know, what, what are we t we're talking like 12, 13 years ago, aren't we? The first yeah, I mean, A League season. The very first A League season, I was seventeen, so yeah. 
I'm now 30, so what's <laughs> so that? 13 years. 13 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, the jump was huge from when I went Newcastle. I can't remember what year it was. It must have been 2009, yeah, I think, there. or to end of 2008 and 2009 because yep. I remember I had my accident, which yep. the world knows because of the media. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the jump from 2009 to even 2012 when I played for Cambria United, just the professionalism was so much so much bigger uh you know the you could see it in the strips in um the the team resources and and things available to the women there was still a massive massive um gap but even now seeing you know and i'm still in touch with a few of the girls like shell Haymond and mm. and things like that because i can see that they're you know succeeding and getting paid and stuff but at the end of the day i think it's more about you know their connections they make with businesses and, and things like that. It's that marketing and and stuff because they've got the time because they're getting paid to play and stuff like that. But with rugby, it's still such a under not underdeveloped in that way, but, you know, we're still fighting for, you know, two training shirts, let alone <laughs> this. Like I had to go to a media thing the other day and my shorts were still wet because I had washed them from training the night before and I forgot to hang them out and I was like, oh, well, at least they're clean. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, there's there's a lot of similarities from like where rugby is right now in 2022 compared to what soccer was at 2012. Yeah, and, it, it, you know, it's, it's – yeah, it's such a it's, – it's just such a shame in a way. Rugby is a long way behind all the other sports now and, you know, it's frustrating – it's frustrating a little bit from, you know, someone who's been involved sort of at the ground level. Like rugby had the competitive advantage. Rugby was sort of first to go to market with the Aon Uni 7 series and then off the back of the success of that launched Super W. Yeah. So both of those competitions were a year before AFLW and two years before NRLW. And yeah. now, now you know, in year, what is it, year five or, or year, yeah, year five of yeah. Super W, you know, NRLW and AFLW have both sort of overtaken, um, you know, both in professionalism, you know, in in, in the resources, as, as you spoke about, resourcing available, you know, you know, NRLW players now are going to get a decent wage for, for their commitment. They're going to get um, their health, private health care, which is yeah. like, like <laughs> which is like... That's so, goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, you know, it, it seems like a little thing, but it's like, oh, you know, like I have private health care. I have a family you know, little boy. So we have private healthcare because yeah. just, just in case, but you know, when you're a poor student and you've got to pay for that yourself, you're trying to manage a training load, you know, a part-time job, uni and every dollar matters, you know, having someone else pay for your private healthcare is massive. It was huge. And I am entirely grateful for my mum and dad for however long they paid it for me <laughs> for, because you know, I was a little menace. I did motocross, everything else. So they were like, we have to have it. So, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, take my hat off to them. But, yeah, just your private health. Like you can't take the field without it. Yeah. Um, and, like, at the end of the day, for me, it's a no-brainer. You have it. Um, I've, you know, in the past with medical conditions and stuff like that, you're just like, uh, it's, it's worth it at the end of the day. Don't ask me that every month when I have to pay for it. But, um, yeah, it's got its positives, that's for sure. But it, but it is, you know, physio, you know, you you, you need, you need uh, but, you know, off-season physio, massage, yeah. um, acupuncture, you know. It, you know, it even has, it even has, you know, benefits, 
you know, it has obvious benefits when you get to the hospital, all of that. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it, it is really important to have, but it, 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 is a, it is a huge cost, you know, for some people, you know, mine costs a lot because we have a family, but, you know, for some, for someone, someone at uni, 70 bucks a month or a hundred bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, struggled when I was doing Cambria United and I was only a student then uh, and just working part-time here and there at Rebel Sport and, you know, you have to go to work to pay for private health. So then I was sad that, you know, I didn't have the coolest kicks when we went to training and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's it's definitely tricky to juggle it all and, yeah, but I, I do see the growth. But, yeah, I agree that, you know, rugby's definitely behind the other ones. Now. Yeah, and 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 as you said, you know, it's hard when you're managing, you know, balancing all of that to then, you know, make those meaningful connections with local businesses or or local media members or, you know, the people who can ultimately help you one build build a platform for you and and your sport, but two, you know, introduce you to the right people and and take you to the right events and and that sort of thing to to gain support that way, and and then. You know the 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 big one is that you can't focus on your performance. You know you, you yeah you you're trying to find time to go to the gym, you're trying to find time to get onto the field. You know you're trying to find time to 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 meet with your coach because your coach is generally generally a volunteer or paid very little too. So you're trying yep. to find time with them to meet with them and get get your feedback and and that kind of thing. So yeah, it 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 makes it really tough. And you and you know I think if you look at you look at teams and and leagues in Australia now you know the the Australian cricket women's cricket team is probably a really good example you know as soon as they made got got made professional their performances were ballistic like they were already really good now they're yeah. almost untouchable yeah purely because they they can focus on playing yeah and that's what it comes down to because if you take away all the you know the stresses and things like that and you just eliminate all of or not eliminate but you focus on you know the things like playing and gameplay and and all of that you just kind of everything just flows easier mm. like i know this season i was you know struggling with um my workload and trying to get on top of you know huddle and watching that game analysis and, and things like that because you know it was either i have to sacrifice you know, two hours of work time to watch the game analysis or, you know, I lose the game analysis and then I'm, I'm not on top of things. So, yeah, it's always hard to, to have that balance and I take my hat off to people that do it with kids, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, that, that's the other thing. We're seeing more and more, you know, more and more organisations bring in uh, policies and, and things to, to, to make sure that people with kids are supported. You know, you look at the WNBL, who I've got some issues with for another reason at the moment, but, you know, one of the one of the things I sort of tip my hat to them about is they do have, have a policy now where if a player on your team has a, has a child, then the league will actually pay for that child to travel with the team and provide accommodation for the child and, and also a support person as well. So whether that's, you know, your mum or your partner or... Yeah. Or whoever to make sure that 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 baby's looked after, and then, you know, then then there's a maternity leave aspect as well. So they're supporting, yeah. you know, athletes under contract, um, you know, who, who who do get pregnant and decide to have have a family to give them that pathway back into the sport. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you say, to to in 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 rugby in particular, to be managing all of the other things plus a small child. 
Yeah. Like, I take my hat off. I know a girl I used to play soccer with, uh, Katrina Gorey, who's mini in the uh, Matildas. Yep. You know, she's just had Harper. Well, not just had a Harper. She'd be nearly one now. But, yeah, I don't know much about it. But just seeing how much Brisbane Raw mm. um, support her and, you know, Harper is there with her every single step of the way. On the travel with the team, the team's, like, you know, taking Harper in as a little, you know, sister to them all, I guess. But, um. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely I take my hat off to people. Yeah. Do you think do you think rugby you know obviously being someone who's you know amongst it at the moment, do you think rugby can get there? Like can you see you know from your seat uh, I guess not light at the end of a tunnel but progress towards you know professional contracts, full-time players, that sort of thing? I mean, yeah, it comes down to um just getting it out there with the media and stuff like that. And I, I guess, you know, I've saw I've seen, sorry, soccer do it. Mm. And I, I have the same belief that rugby can get there. I just think um, it's gonna take a lot more females in that in that chair to help with that progression of where it should grow in what certain ways. Mm. Um, yeah, and just having that feedback and like transparency from top to bottom as well, because at the end of the day, we're all there for the love of it. But we need to have understanding from where I stand to where, you know, the CEO and stuff stands because we're sacrificing just as much as what, you know, the people that are getting paid to do. Mm. If not, we're doing more. So yeah. especially getting up at gym and then going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Those early I've morning done, I, gym sessions. Oh, I mean, it was great when I was a uni student because I could choose when all my um, classes yeah. were, but now I've got to be at work and, make the classes for all the kids. So. <laughs> it's like, it's hard for me to reconcile. Like I have to work every day. Like I have to get up and now I get up at an ungodly hour because that's just what babies do. Yeah. And, you know, we get him ready. We, he has his breakfast and he has his little playtime. And then after he's sorted, takes a couple of hours, then I get in the car and I go to work or, you know, at the, at the the company I work for at the moment is pretty good. Like I can work from home a lot. But the thought that I just, like, I have to go to work every day is really <laughs> difficult for me to reconcile, even in my 30s. It's like, what, like, how did I get here? Well, I mean, mate, I've now joined the 30s and I feel the same way. <laughs> I said to my partner the other day, I said, my soup is not very great. And I'm like, oh, I guess it will be in 30 years. And I went, I've still got 30 years of working. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, so. yeah, it's just, it's just wild. Like, yeah, just, yeah. I guess just that idea that, and, and, you know, like having, having a, a child has, it's, it's been a huge change in perspective for me. Um, you know, I think prior to having him, I lived a fairly selfish life and, and, you know, like it's only, I'm only really able to see that now. Like, you know, the first, the first part of my life was all about, you know, trying to make it as an athlete and, yeah. you know, I sacrificed, sacrificed a lot to, to try and achieve that. Um, and, and in some ways like isolated myself from a lot of people because, you know, I was always busy chasing that dream. Then I retire and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be a coach. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stay in the sport and give everything else but not play. Yeah. And then, you know, luckily my partner, Kat, stayed with me through all of that. And then we have a baby and I'm like, 
every decision I make now impacts him directly. Yeah. And every, you know, every, every, everything I do has a direct flow on for him. And then, you know, then take a step further back. It's like, well, like every decision I made already up to this point had an impact on my partner. So like, mm. so it was a complete shift in mindset. And then all of a sudden I went from, you know, I want to be a coach and I want to do this. I want to tra- like travel. And, and, and so it was like, okay, well now I just need to make more money. <laughs> yep. <laughs> need to look after him, you know, <laughs> make sure, make sure that's all, that's all sweet. But it, it, like, you know, reconciling that, you know, with the thought of having to go to work every day is still very difficult for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's speaking with on that, I mean, I don't have a baby maybe one day <laughs> down the future, but like, I haven't even been able to like save properly to have a house mortgage and stuff. So like I've been, you know, trying to buy a house for the past however many years and like now like it's always been in my head, well, I have to go to work to, you know, to pay for this. But I was like if I get injured with football or things like that, I miss out on work. So it's just another, you know, stress that happens Mm. um, with it. So And I think think that's the, you know, that's, that's that's the side of it that a lot of people don't see. So I think I think people are getting and and you know shouts to what Chloe Chloe Dalton's doing with the female athlete project yeah. and and you know people like Alana Ferguson and Ros Kelly and 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 those guys in the media you know they they're really working really hard and and really effectively at shining a light on some of the stories that that sort of come out so I think people understand now the sacrifices you guys are making from a time perspective but then it's it's the stuff that happens outside of football. You know, as you say, you, you, you get injured, you miss work, you know, you dip into that savings account. It puts, it puts you, you know, financially back, you know, maybe another couple of years because you can't afford that house that, that you want, you know? So there, there's all of that flowing too. And then even the, you know, most, most female athletes that I know that went to uni, it took them five or six years, sometimes longer to get through because they were only taking one or two subjects at a time because they had to manage work, they had to manage training. So, you know, you finish, you finish your uni at 25, 26. Yeah, you might, you might be one of the best rugby, female rugby athletes in Australia, but that's not your career because you're not getting paid for that. So you get into the workforce four or five years after everyone else and you're at a, you're at a disadvantage. You, gotta, you, know, you, take, you take less money and sometimes you're taking orders from someone who's younger than you. Literally. <laughs> that's what's happening at the moment i was just like these guys are younger than me like i'm listening and (laughs) obeying them but i can't get myself into you know a routine to keep my money under situation or under (laughs) control but you know yeah shout out to my like my partner chloe she's just you know she has been the one that you know has put everything kind of into perspective because in the past i know that i've had partners that you know thought they did that and they may have not have done that and and things like that but you know she's she's always just allowed me to focus on that and then when it comes to bills and everything else well we're able to just work work through it when it when it comes at us and she's taught me to you know live in the present moment right now instead of having to worry about down the track or how am I going to pay for that how am I going to do that how am I going to you know I couldn't plan anything because of um, football we didn't know when the draw was going to come out we didn't do anything so yeah that impact that you have on others, you know, you've kind of just shown that light to me as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's nothing if not an educational podcast, I guess. (laughs) 
I mean, I am in isolation. Who says I can't learn in isolation? But <laughs> but you know, and I think I think that's that's the other rub of the coin is is to be to be an athlete, and and I think to be successful in anything, you do have to have an element of selfishness, and yeah. you know, it's a you know my my partner's been amazing through all of my life's transitions. <laughs> And I've had I've had more than I would I would like, but you know she's she has always been the one to provide the perspective and the support. And you know sometimes I think we do always get caught up in what's on the horizon, you know what's what's coming, and we forget to enjoy what what's happening right now. We forget to enjoy the journey. We forget to you know to use a to use a football analogy. We forget to play what's in front of us. Yeah, versus exactly. what we think is coming. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you know, particularly in you know where where women's footy is at at the moment, the the support of a of a really you know strong partner is is key. Um, yeah. Because there are so many ups and downs as an athlete. There are you know there's injuries, there's losses, there's there's all kinds of stuff. And it, and if you know you've got someone at home that can you know, look you in the eyes and kind of pull you out of that weird headspace that you're in. It's it's invaluable, and and I don't think they get enough credit. And and yeah. and certainly from a coach's perspective, um, you know, coaches spend a lot of time worrying about everyone else, making sure you know the athletes are good, making sure their 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 coaching staff are good, and then you know sometimes things go awry, um, and ultimately it, the buck stops with you and that's the burden you you bear as a, as a coach um and so then to have someone at home who's sort of able to to rationalize that for you in in your head is is invaluable it ha- well it has been to me anyway <laughs> yeah i mean i i believe this season you know i had a great preseason and and was training really well and did really well i believe in the um uh, trial games and stuff like that and I, I seriously put it down to how you know Chloe has helped me change my mindset and I did a bit of work with a, a guy called David King through our um, Brumbies camp and stuff like that and it's really if I'd have known this stuff when I was playing soccer I think it would have been a lot different for me yeah uh, yeah so it's it's really about networking and having them connections and, and networks like I said with those people them key people wow. and and it's yeah. it's interesting you mention it because uh, I you know I catch up fairly regularly with a former teammate of yours, Lydia Williams. Um, oh yes, yeah. and you know she 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 mentioned the same thing in in that you know that that next that next step. So you know you can have your skills, your skills can be silky, your fitness can be awesome, you know your strength and conditioning and all of that can be top notch. But then, if you don't have the the mental aspect, you know, if you if you don't understand, you know, how to get yourself mentally ready and 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 you know, again, how to play what's in front of you, um, okay. it's really impossible to to perform at, at your peak. It doesn't matter how good your prep is. It doesn't matter how good your your skills are. If you if you don't have the mental aspect of the game, it's going to be really hard to to get yourself up and and you know when you make a mistake, move on and and sort of move to the next thing. Um, yeah, and it's just it's just interesting because she she basically you know made the same comment from from earlier in, in her career. You know she's now she's now got access to some of that. Um, 
but it, it seems to be a really underutilized and under underinvested in and undervalued part of, of high performance sport is that, that mental part of the game. Yeah, I didn't realize how impactable is that a word? How <laughs> how much impact that can actually have? <laughs> yeah. um, like I always thought I had really good um, like mental health when it comes to you know team selections and things like that. And you know I did with soccer; it was fine. Like I was just like, yep, I'll I'll always you know go back to you know prove them wrong and and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's just been really highlighted this this past season that I've done uh, with how important that holds in my mind as well. And, yeah, if only I knew that, what, <laughs> 17 years ago now. <laughs> Older and wiser, is yeah. that saying? <laughs> but, you know, it, it's an area that, um, you know, we invested in uh, last year with, it, with our Sevens program. So, you know, we worked with a coach who he had a slightly different approach. He was, a, he was much more soft with it. In, yep. in the sense that it was sort of athlete-led and he, you know, engaged them on the stuff that they, they wanted to understand. But on a really cerebral, really simple level, was really about understanding pressure and your body's yep. response to pressure yep. and stress yeah. and sort of breaking it down into some really simple things that you can do as an individual. You know, when you feel yourself get stressed or you feel yourself not being able to move on from from a specific thing that happened in a game and and – it's you know just it's just like a just check yourself and and once you do that you can you can move on um, and you know when it was explained to me that simply I was like yeah well obviously that makes sense but it's just not something I'd ever thought about before yeah and I didn't really have that complex understanding of of things but now older and wiser <laughs> I feel like I do but yeah I. It just comes down to that as well. Like if you can't let go of things, you're just going to, that's going to keep playing on your mind constantly. And I think that's one thing I am proud of is that I can now highlight what is either bringing me down or what's stressing me out. So then if it gets that bad, I'll eliminate myself from it because it's just, you know, for the love of the game, but it's just sometimes it can't be worth it, especially when mental health and stuff comes in. Yeah. And and things like that. And like I I was the kind of, I guess I came I started coming through the ranks right at the start of, you know, smartphones, iPads and that sort of thing. So, you know, we're not Instagram. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a whole different beast, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But, you know, so, so we had access to a lot of our games, you know, by the time we got home from the stadium or, or from, the, from yep. the ground we played in. And I was the kind of guy, you know, cause I thought it was cool. You know, I would sit up until two or three o'clock in the morning, just uh, watch the same game over and over and over again, and I would critique myself and critique my teammates and whatever. And then yeah. I'd get to training on Monday and wonder why I was so tired Sorry. and sore. <laughs> recovery, they say it, but yeah. you don't really understand it until yeah. you got to do it. Well, you know, recovery when I was playing was just sit in that bucket of ice, like yep, <laughs> drink this I beer. Mean, yeah, I mean, I grew up with recovery from soccer just being in the car for five hours. Yeah, so well, yeah. when people yeah, people started asking me to do like ice bars and all that, I was like, are you mad? Like, <laughs> I, no wonder I was so tired going to school the next day for soccer because just sitting in the car. And back then, like, we had a limited amount of players. So at one stage I was playing 14s, 16s, 21s and then sit on the bench for first grade. And then my poor mum, she would travel home from Sydney 
um, and then be back at work at 7 a.m. <laughs> on a Monday morning. I'd, I'd whinge about having to go to school. Yeah. So, and you yeah, know, that, it just puts a lot in perspective. That that's such a difficult thing too, for, particularly for those rural kids. And this, you know, this isn't just for females too. That there's a lot of good, you know, male athletes out out that way. You know, I heard a story recently about a kid uh, playing playing for the Raiders, sort of under twenties crew out here, and they think he's they think he's pretty special. Um, so he's still in high school. You know, yeah. he's doing a twelve hour round trip twice, three yeah. three times a week. You know, so they they actually train every day, but he you know he does his gym and stuff at home, and he yeah Tuesday night twelve hour round trip, Thursday night twelve hour round trip. And then Saturday or Sunday or Friday, whenever they play, it's another twelve-hour round trip. Like it's, it's yeah. tough for you country kids. It's just that we don't see it as being hard because <laughs> I guess we don't know any different. Any better? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just remember, all because where I'm from, Grenfell, so it's about a four, just under five hours to Sydney, and I'd have to be there at like eleven. So me and Mum would be up at like five a.m. Yeah, so. I t- yeah, I take my hat off to my parents and I, I I have this great respect for parents that will travel with their with their kids because sport just does so many things for, for kids and um yeah, coming from a country you just have a different outlook of things. So especially yeah. when, you know, you try and joke and tell them that, you know, we've got pet wombats and kangaroos and, <laughs> and things like that. And you'd be amazed how many city people are, believe you. Well, yeah, we're pretty dumb when it comes to that kind of thing. <laughs> Canberra's not so bad because it's kind of native, whereas Sydney, they're like, do you have Wi-Fi? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's I was like, what's, what's Wi-Fi? What's the Literally, yeah. So. I, I need to have a chat with my parents because, you know, the furthest they drove was from... O'Connor to Tuggeranong, which is about you know, say. 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, come on, mum and dad. Do you know what? You know what? That's that's actually not true. I reckon my dad, yeah. well, I reckon until I left school and moved and played overseas, I reckon he, he'd watched every game I'd ever played. And, and, you know, we played. So I went to school in Sydney, so he was driving up on Saturday two and a half, three hours to watch me play. You know, we travelled around a lot, you know, some ACT teams. You know, we, we were pretty isolated here, so we'd have to travel to Sydney or yeah. out to the Sydney West or up to Brisbane or down down to yeah. Melbourne um, or Albury. We used to meet the Victorian kids in Albury. Um, so, you know, there was, a bit, there was a bit of that, but it certainly wasn't every week. <laughs> I'll say <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah. Funny you say that because my dad never came. So I was always like, oh, he's just working sort of thing. And then as I got older, I just realised he pretty much just hated soccer. He just thought it was boring. But then I started playing rugby and he, like, came to everything and I was like, hang on a second. What's going like, on, Dad? So it was really weird because, yeah, because mum would be, like, answering the phone. She's like, yeah, Dad's on it. I was like, what's he doing here? Like, he's normally working sort of thing. So, but, yeah, he we always had a little joke that he'd have to work and pay for everything where mum would have to drive and she pretty much paid for it having to sit in the car with me for so long. <laughs> Mind you, I was the best sleeper in the car. It was great. Yeah. You'd so, be amazed how many kids actually just sleep in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, and then you get you get home and you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. That was fine. Yeah. Slept for five hours. It's all good. Yeah. I think I had like from Grandfall to Lithgow, I had down pat. I'd be asleep before the 80 sign. <laughs> And then I'd wake up at Lithgow, have something to eat, and then get to Sydney, and I'd be done. And then I'd go play soccer. 
far so, out. Yeah. But you know, you know, we I've certainly worked with an, a number of athletes now who, you know, similar. You know, they're they're obviously a bit older and they're doing that trip themselves. But you know, they'd come in, you know, train Tuesday night or Wednesday night or whenever we train. You know, we were lucky that we had a couple of apartments that they could sleep in yeah. for the night, yep. and then yep. you know, often would head back in the morning for work. So, you know, it's a 5 a.m. or, or 4 a.m. wake up to get to get yep. to work at, at 9, you know, get home, yeah. have a shower, get to work. So, you know, yeah, really respect the, the commitment there from, from a lot of those country kids and, and, you know, with the added challenge for, for a lot of the girls without the, you know, we'd give some $50 petrol vouchers because that's yeah. kind of all we could we could afford. Um, yeah. So, you know. You got to respect the hustle. You got to respect the grind for sure. Yeah, and it's still happening. Like in the women's brumbies, like we've got our captain Dunny. She's located in Narromine yep. and stuff like that. So hers is a you know eight hour round trip, and she's got four kids. So um, yeah, it's a massive, massive thing. And like at the end of the day, it's all still for the love of it. So. Yeah, like you said, massive respect for people that travel. <laughs> I think I travelled home after training one time and I hadn't done it for that long and couldn't walk the next day. I was like, oh. That's when you know you're getting old, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, things don't get sore until two days after. I'm like, yeah, I need to retire soon. <laughs> I, I remember uh, back when we had the NRC, the National Rugby Championship. So I was – I've been playing for the Tuggeranong Vikings and – that year I'd spent most of the year in second grade because we had a couple of Brumbies guys sort of um, on the up. So they were, they were, you know, coming back down from the Brumbies. So I'd get bumped. So, you know, fuck you, Scott Seo, and your 80 Wallabies tests. <laughs> um, Damn, man. <laughs> and so I had an opportunity to play with the Sydney Stars. So I was in the Canberra Vikings That's squad. Right. And yep. I, yeah, I had... I had an opportunity to go up there and I remember, I still remember the phone call, Peter Playford. So the, it was a Sunday morning, the night before on the Saturday, I was in my Canberra Vikings gear, you know, like, like my polo shirt and whatever. Cause you know, that there, there were, there was like Ben Alexander and there were plenty, they had plenty of props better than me. Like we'll just, we'll okay. just, we'll just yeah. put it that way. Yep. And um, I think the score was about 70 nil to, to, to us, to Canberra Vikings. Yeah. And the Sydney Stars scrum was atrocious. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, I remember leaving work. So at that time I was working at the Duxton, shouts the Duxton. And I got this phone call from, this number showed up on my phone and normally I don't answer numbers <laughs> I don't know. Numbers. I, just, yep. <laughs> I just let them go to voicemail because if it's important, they'll yep. leave a voicemail. But for whatever reason, I answered it. And it was this dude, Peter Playford, um, you know, who who was a former Brumby, fascinating individual and, and still one of the most eccentric coaches I've ever played for. But I, I really enjoyed playing for him and, and have a lot of respect for him. And, and, you know, I can't share some of the stories he told us, but, um, you know, like like really meaningful for me. I guess it spoke to me more than, more than some. But, yeah, anyway. Yeah get this call and he's like, Liam, I'm like, yep. Uh, yeah. So I understand, you know, you, you're in the Canberra Viking squad, but I've already called Brad. He's sweet. Why don't you come up and, and have a crack with us? And I was like, who, sorry, 
who is who's who? this? <laughs> and he's like, oh, what oh. Do you play? <laughs> he's like, oh, sorry, sorry, it's Peter Playford. I'm with you know, I coach Sydney Stars, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then you know, he said, look, I, I can't, you know, no guarantees, but come up, train, train Tuesday night, train Thursday night. We've got a couple of injuries up front. Um, you know, Tom Robinson was one of those who's now also a Wallaby prop. Shouts to Tom. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, whatever. So I drove, drove up like, you know, I was a uni student at the time. It didn't really matter. So I drove up to Sydney on the Tuesday, got absolutely smashed in this sort of fitness contact, like (laughs) live scrummaging session. And I got to the end of it and I'm like, these dudes are definitely going to send me home. Like, (laughs) yeah. And in a way I was kind of hoping that was going to be the case because I was like, like, I got nowhere to stay tonight. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, mate, come back Thursday. Um, we got a game. We got a development game Saturday. So we'll have you play in that. And then, and then we'll, we'll put you in the team for, for the next week. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, drove home, did, did the trip sort of four times that week, then spent the next month living on my mate's couch. Oh dear! And, We've all been there. <laughs> and this is this is the funny. So we we against all odds made the semi final. Play. We flew up to Brisbane. So we we had a choice. He said, "We guys, we can either fly up Friday, um, stay the night. You can play. You play Saturday, but then we've got to come home straight after the game, or we can fly up Saturday morning, play the game, stay the night." Um, and then fly home Sunday. Two weeks prior, we'd lost to Brisbane City by about 50 points. So it was like like we all kind of looked at each other. We're like, Pete, let's fly up Saturday because we, we, <laughs> we figured we were going to lose. As it turned out, we pushed them right to the end. We did lose. But then after that game, I was like, well, I might as well enjoy this. Like, like I'll go out with the boys. I'll have a good time. I end up in the casino. Now I have two oh. I have two hundred dollars to my name at this point. And I put I, I went to the roulette table and handed my two hundred dollars over. Actually I handed yeah, sorry, handed my two hundred dollars over and I got two chips back. Now I'm so trashed at this point that I think I think I'm at the ten dollar table, I'm at the hundred dollar table. Oh no. So I put I put one down on zero and one down on thirty six. Or whatever it was, zero comes up, and I'm like, "Awesome! I just won three hundred bucks!" Like I'm high fiving everyone, and then the dude at the roulette table goes, "Mate, you've just won like three and a half grand!" And I just oh. went ballistic. Like I went absolutely ballistic. I was like, and so then, so then I roll. I, I get on the get on the plane back. Cat picks me up at the airport in Sydney, and we drive home. And then, like, I was like, "How am I going to explain?" you know, all of this cash in my wallet to cash. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so moral of the story, kids, is <laughs> if uh, if you're not getting paid to play footy, just just let it ride. Whatever you've got, let it ride, and maybe you'll come home with three grand. In the end, <laughs> my commitment to the Sydney Stars for six weeks netted me $3,000. So for yep. a student, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Yeah, so the driving was definitely worth it when it ca- that came out, for but, sure. But I have to say the toll that that six weeks took on my body, my back, my groin, hamstrings and calves, 
Um, it was probably half a season, like the, into the next year. It probably took me half a season to get my body right. Just yeah, to recover all that time in the car, you know, not you know, so, like I was. I was literally sleeping on a mate's couch because he, he didn't. What you had yeah, to do. he didn't have a spare room, but he was like, "Yeah, you can stay here and mooch off me." <laughs> <laughs> and then he was a teacher too, so he he like he would he would take the kids out. Uh, he was like the outward bound guy, so he would take mm-hmm. the kids out. So when he left, I think he left for two weeks. I got to sleep in his bed. Oh yes. <laughs> It's like heaven, isn't it? You're just yeah. like, oh, I've got the house yeah. to myself. Then you, then you feel like you're like rich as because you've got this house to yourself and things like that. And then you go back to reality and sleep on the lounge. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know that, like, to me, that was that was sort of the the only time. And and you know, the NRC at that time was it was not professional. Like we we weren't getting mm-hmm. paid. You know, I think a few guys were getting you know maybe fifteen hundred bucks. You know, maybe that's yeah. what they got. I think a few guys in Canberra got maybe five grand for the commitment, but you know, which is which is better than nothing. But you know, and and a lot of us were in the in the same boat. The following year is when we're we're like, well, you know, I got to take twelve weeks off work because it's yeah. a full time commitment, and I'm getting fifteen hundred bucks for it. Like, you know, yeah. so that was always the hard thing with the NRC, and I understand I understand why, but yeah. you know that. You know, I said, and so then, you know, coming into the women's game, like I had a pretty cerebral understanding of of what you guys were going through, which is why I think, and you can probably speak to this a bit more, which is why I was always pretty understanding for you guys. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think as well, like because you had that understanding, you there was that transparency. There was the you knew what we were talking about. um, You know, not so much the travelling or whatnot. With, with me because I, I was living in Canberra. But, yeah, and talking to the girls that did travel, they definitely appreciated how much you understood it. Mm. So, um, you know, as long as you're not getting tricked over and things like I used to try and trick you over with. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there were, yeah de- they, there, were definitely, there were definitely some athletes who took advantage. Um, yeah. You know, but, but that was also part of my development as a coach. So I, I got better at. Uh, I got better at recognizing that, and then I came yeah. not in a not in a not in a rude way, but I became less lenient with some yeah. of those athletes, and uh, yeah, some of them struggled a little bit with that. But that's yeah. that's a story for another podcast. I think that's with everything, though. <laughs> I I still get that with my school kids when I ask them to do something, they're like, "No," and I'm like, "Too bad, you got to do yeah. it." <laughs> Why? Because I said yeah. so, bro. Exactly. <laughs> I, when I was a kid, I just listened to my adult. I, I bet you I didn't, though. Like looking nah. back, I probably didn't. <laughs> you probably think you did. Do, yeah. do do the kids ever say stuff and you just want to burst out laughing, but you obviously know you can't? Like is there yeah. ever? Yeah. <laughs> All the time. And then like we did <laughs> we did a um, uh, uh, like a retail on an Indigenous name for a frog and it was Tiddalik. Anyway, yep. and me with the tongue tongue twister, I went, titter-dick. Anyway, and then that's all they kept saying. And I was just like, oh, no, this is so bad. And I'm like, it's titter-lick sort of thing. So their, their brains are sponges. And I and I say something and then, you know, half an hour later I hear them say it. And I'm like, oh, dear, no, don't say that sort of thing. But, yeah, they're funny. It's they're very funny. It's it's amazing. Like, you know, obviously with my little, little man, eight, almost nine months old, the – like you know, Ed, I guess 
like a teacher, you get to see them every day. So you get to see, you know, what they learn and, and, and the light bulb moments. Like, you know, today there's just watching him, you know, he started crawling up the stairs and yep. so there's a part of me is like, this is awesome. Like, I'm so proud that he's figured this out. And then the other part is like, now I'm going to have to put in these fucking baby gates to yep. stop this little dude climbing, up the, <laughs> climbing yep. up the stairs. Because that moment that you forget to leave it, no, but that moment you forget to close it is going to be when you hear the dunk, dunk, dunk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the same with my niece. Like, my niece, she's going on 11 months now and, I didn't see her pretty much that whole time I was doing Super W mm. and just seeing how far she's grown. Like now she's actually crawling and chasing me around and, you know, I had her standing up the other day and she's balancing and I'm just like every time I see her it's just they've grown it's, so much. It's incredible how much development happens in the first 12 months of life. And, yeah. and you're, you know, you, you obviously don't get to experience it unless you have, you know, little people in your yeah. life and, and, you know, even – even for my parents, you know, they don't see him for two weeks and he's got 30 new skills and he's, yeah. you know, slightly bigger than he was before. And it, you know, it, it it's, I guess it, it, it's really taught me to celebrate those little, little things and really live in, in the moment because, you know, my, I've got an older sister, she's got five and she's like, yeah, like, you know, mine's 11. He, you know, to me, he's still a little baby. He's still one, yeah. but you know, now yeah. he's 11, my eldest. So yeah, and and you yeah. know, I guess that's you know, is that sort of the appeal to you of teaching? Like when you see them, you know, when you work with a kid and then you see that light bulb go off. Yeah, I it's definitely a a proud teacher moment when that does happen. But for me, it's 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 more the growth uh, that I see at the end of the year. Yeah. So and and being able to have that data and be like, okay, well, actually, I have done something. Mm. But um, I had a you know a well-being light bulb moment with one of the students the other day because this student had really terrible resilience mm. and I've been working with them and, and stuff like that and, you know, something that she would normally lose her mind with, she's just like, okay, I'll do this instead. So that to me is better Big than – that's better than an A, I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's pretty good. But, you know, that was certainly the appeal to me as a coach, like – I really enjoyed the light bulb moments. You know, like yeah. win, winning is cool. Um and you know to me winning is for the for the players and that's the reward that 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 they get for 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 the for the you know all the all the work and sacrifice that they make and and you know sports pretty cruel sometimes they don't come. But yeah. for for me and certainly you know the the group of coaches that I worked with it was those light bulb moments and being able, and again, you know, like you said, being able to look back and reflect on a season or a, you know, a, a, a period and go, well, there is actually marked improvement and marked, yeah. you know, you, you know, with, with a, with a strength program, you can see, you can see that progression. But, you know, when, when you look at footy and then, you know, I'd go down and watch club footy and I'd see a lot of, a lot of what they'd been working on applied to the club footy field as well. And then, you know, the yeah. cycle starts again. So that, that to me was the, the appeal. And I guess that's why I'm so excited to be a parent. You know, I, yeah. you know, I'm sitting, sitting with him and, you know, teaching him how to catch right now. So yeah. he, he goes, all right. Sometimes okay. the ball hits him in okay. the face. Oh yeah. That <laughs> happens to me too. <laughs> I'm 30. <laughs> 
but you oh, know, yeah. yeah, I and I and you know, I certainly have a, I have a, I hated teachers when I was a kid. I hated school, but I, <laughs> I certainly, I certainly have a huge respect for what you guys do in you know and and you know people always go, oh, you get so much leave and this and that, but it's it's a tough job. Like you're looking after you're looking after thirty to fifty kids all day every day. And mm. then you try on top of that, you're trying to teach them stuff. You're trying to stop them from losing their mind. <laughs> trying to get them to sit still. Like, you'd be amazed, mate, how many parents. I remember in lockdown, or well, it was last year, year before, and it was the very first lockdown, so it must have been the year before. Yeah, 2020. And, yeah, I rung a parent because we had to bring these um, parents once a week or twice a week, well, once every two weeks, sorry. And I had a, <laughs> one of my really funny students um by funny, I mean wouldn't sit still, had me on my toes all the time. I rung his mother and she goes, are they better in packs? I am I'm exhausted from him. Like, And I was like, packs? No. I was like, this is one student. And, like, it just made so much more sense to me that, you know, it is needed, the teachers, for that rest because the kids are feral. They're just sick of each other. Yeah. They need more sleep. They They are over trying to learn. You know, there's arguments on the playground and stuff like that. But, you know, and then that same student, like we were on a Zoom call and I was like, bring your pets for a day. I just, I wanted to do something to get them excited. And he just spent the whole day because he decided to bring his pet bird and it, it let go and he's just running around everywhere for it. So, like, it's just the moments that you'll just keep in your mind forever. Like yeah. with the footy as well. Like I remember when I was doing A on 7s, my best mate, Sammy, um, you know, soulmate. we were both menaces. Yeah. <laughs> like footy was the reason we are best friends. Yeah. And then, you know, you guys kind of, it was an arranged friendship, I think. So well, no one else wanted to room together. with you guys. <laughs> because we were so crazy. Yeah. You know, like, I, like, <laughs> so I was the team manager of this team. And I guess that first year of the Allen series, none of us really knew what, what it How was. How big it was. And what, <laughs> you know, what the expectation was. And, you know, like, and, uh, <laughs> Like I just remember, I just I just remember explicitly being told by Yazo Yasmin Meeks, yeah. who's now yeah you know killing it with the Roosters and 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 you yeah know, had a crack had a really really solid crack with Australian Seven. She was like, I think you should room the two Samanthas together. Yeah, <laughs> and then by the end of it though, everyone wanted to come and yeah, get out yeah, of it. Even yeah. Johnny was like, put me in the room with them. I'm like, no, no one wanted to be with us. <laughs> Sammy Maxwell is an absolute crack up. Shout uh, out to her. I miss her, but, yeah, her and Josh got engaged. But Yeah, shout out to Sammy. Uh, and, it, you know, uh, for what it's worth, Sammy, if you're listening, one of the, <laughs> one of the really, really um, special rugby brains, very intelligent. Oh, I learned so much from her. I mean, I set her up for a loss more times than none. But, yeah, her her brain, God love her, it just, yeah, she has so much knowledge around mm. that. Yeah, very, very yeah, special. And she's just an all-around good human. Great human. So, so. So I'll, I'll ask you this question because I ask everyone this question before I let you go because it's getting late. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that's all right. I mean, I sorry. Oh well, anyway. yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> You're the one that's got to go to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to go. I got to get up and go to work. Uh, oh, also, you got to feed your baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what, he he's due for a wake up soon. So, 
we'll, okay. we'll wrap up. Uh, <laughs> but you know, so just uh, just some advice, like anyone, anyone, you know, any of the the little girls out there who are you know seeing seeing footy on the TV, seeing seeing football, soccer, AFL on the TV. What what advice would you give them in this world now, where we've got so much push and pull on athletes, and you know everyone's time poor, everyone's got to manage a social life and and work and school and all of that. What what advice would you give someone who's sort of on this elite athlete trajectory and and is maybe struggling with with where they should focus their energy? I think my biggest thing is uh, to not give up. Whether you need a break or not, that's fine. Like I know that I walked away last week, last year, sorry, to have a break and I came back better and stronger than ever. Um, but I am also 29 and not nine. Um, and it's just if you're not enjoying it, try something different. If, you, if you're loving it, go as far as you can. And, you know, um, it's more about how you listen. My The biggest, the best advice or the best coaching I've ever been told is, it's absolutely free to listen. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything. It can be done wherever, however, in the world. Um, and to listen to what people are saying to you and the fact that they're going to try and help you. Uh, but you also need to, over time, you'll 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 be able to highlight, you know, what's good and bad. But, you know, in the past, I think it was the last six months, I also have a very special woman in my life, um, close grandmother, um, uh, Granny Sue, we call her, she actually said to me, you know, she's 70, over 70, and she still walks oh, three Ks a day. It's amazing. Um, she said it's more about stickability. So to me it's about 10% ability. It's 90% stickability. It's about, you know, having them balances and stuff like that. And I think that um, quote has, has really stuck with me because that's what I've done my whole life. I've got rejected from these teams and everything else, but I stuck it out and, when I kind of felt like I wasn't getting things from it, I, I walked away on a good good note. So, yeah, just to listen, to have fun, and, yeah, if you're loving it, absolutely go for it. I think that's... And if someone says that you shouldn't do it, ah, do it. Tell them to fuck Pretty off. <laughs> yeah. I, I, th- I think that's brilliant advice, Sammy. You know, yeah, elite sport is full of ups and downs and, and ultimately you have to love it. Yeah, and if you don't, what are you there for? Yeah, and I think that Maybe. you know, I, I think that's just as important a skill is to know when to walk away. Exactly, and and you know, I've been going through a bit lately, and I've actually been you know congratulated here and there for being able to highlight what is bringing me down and and this and stuff, and you know, it's it's easier to be a decent human being than being a sore loser, I guess. <laughs> Hey, so. it's true. It that you know, uh, attitude, the way you listen, showing up on time or showing up early—that those are all things you can control. Your work yeah. ethic, you know, those are all things that you can control. You can't control if 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 a coach or a selector doesn't like you, you know, or you, exactly. or your your skill set doesn't fit their system. Yeah, that's not something you can control. Yeah, and I guess because I was introduced to it from such a young age, I remember. I remember my dad took me to my first Western Region trials for soccer and I think I was about 11 years old or 12 years old and I didn't get selected and and I was like, oh, that's fine, I'll just play in Grenfell sort of thing. And, and my dad was like, 
why? Why didn't you get selected sort of thing? Like he was there and the coach said to him, like, I don't think your daughter's got what it takes to, to make it. Anyway, and Dad's like, so what do you want to do? Do you want to go to Macca's and have a burger or do you want to go get a, a like a soccer ball and practice? And I went, oh, I'll do both. Like we went and got <laughs> Macca's because Grandpa doesn't Macca's and then he brought me a soccer ball. So, you know, I was introduced to that rejection from a young age and, and my parents always said to me, it's up to you. If you don't want to do it, you don't want to do it. And and if I wasn't up ready for to go to soccer on that Sunday morning, Mum surely wasn't going to take me. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I found that initiative. So. Yeah, it just comes with time and age, and I tell you, there's a lot of people that you're going to get along with if you go play a sport that you both love. Hundred percent. So, you know, yeah. and and that for me, you know, rugby, you know, as much as I I shit on it currently in its current state, and I do, but ultimately it's because I care about it. But you know, yeah, my network of of people who you know have been successful athletes are now doing really good things coaching, but but also have gone on to be fantastic you know consultants and business people and business owners and and that sort of thing you know that and and you know i can i can almost show up in any country and i've got yep. a place to stay or i've got someone to have coffee with or whatever so yeah you, you're 100 percent right and and i think you know for most sports but you know particularly global sports that's that's the case if you if you love it you're going to meet some awesome people along the way too yeah and just like I hate on Facebook most of my life, but even just having the connection there and like being able to see, um, you know, I've got people all over the world as well. So it's it's just incredible to think how much you can learn off other people as well and, and being able to listen, like I said. So. Well, Sammy, yeah. thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. And Not a problem, mate. Enjoy ISO. Oh, Get yeah. some sleep. I'll go play some Fortnite. <laughs> you love that. Love that. Yeah, love I'm, that. I'm all for it. All right, so. Sammy. All right, take care and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye, mate. Thanks again, Sammy. It's always good to chat. Uh, should do it more. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime on the podcast. I don't have much for you at the bottom of the show here. Thanks for listening. Just do me a favor, thecover.com.au. Just get there. Get on the newsletter, read some articles, listen to some podcasts. It's a nice little central hub for some up-and-coming content creators. It's awesome. And it's growing all the time. The stuff goes up every day. You know, it's going to get to a point where there's multiple things going up every day. You know, different different personalities, different takes. It's, it's going to be really good. So just get in early. Become an early adopter. Click on some ads. <laughs> Click on some ads. Because that allows us to fund a lot of the things we do. So do that. Uh, if you think you can do what I do, click on that Riverside one. Next week, next week's going to be good. I'm going to, I'm going to, as I said at the top of the show, I'm going to table some of that WNBL stuff and do a really good thorough deep dive and jump into it uh, and, and kind of hopefully, you know, offer both, I guess, both sides of the argument. I have put in a request to the WNBL to speak to one of the decision makers. Uh, I believe that the, the ultimately, in my view, the, the, the buck should stop with the, the head of the WNBL. So we'll see, you know, even, even you know, I've said even if it's just I can ask three questions and then report back on this podcast. I don't need, I don't need anyone on the podcast. I just, I just have some questions. So I'll let you know how that pans out. Keep 
keep tuning in, subscribe to this podcast, get over to my Instagram or the, the Instagram for this podcast, at Give em Liam. Buy some Matildas tickets, April 12th in Canberra. There's also a game up in Townsville, so any, any of my far north Queenslanders up there listening, buy yourself a ticket, or five, or ten, whatever. Make sure you get to that game. Lydia's going to check back in with us in a couple of weeks' time, so I want to be able to tell her that I influenced a few of you guys to buy tickets. The Matildas don't play a lot in Australia. They don't get the opportunity to, so it's an opportunity to see a couple of the best players in the world or best players at their position in the world, so... Make sure you do that. I will be back in one week's time, probably with some hot takes on the WNBL. So get excited about that. Subscribe. Do what you got to do. I'll talk to you soon.